0: There's a level of reality where
1: everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our
0: experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very. Expanding
1: reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, Zane Daniel, He is incredible, guys. He is the content director at Cosmic TV. He is the founder of the Higher Self Expo, which is going to be coming up July 17th and 18th. It's a 24-hour global conference and the title of it or the topic of discussion this year is uh, where science meets spirituality. So there are tons of incredible speakers. Uh, We have a wonderful time breaking down the fact that Zane is a Hathor energy healer. He is an ascension teacher, a metaphysical conference host, which is the higher self expo that we talked about and a comic book publisher. He's got a comic book Uh, that is all about mass spiritual awakening it is fascinating guys this is easily one of the most wonderful conversations one of the most incredible human beings on this planet having a spiritual experience all here to help us with the ascension process so without any further ado zane daniel all right very grateful to welcome on the show ladies and gentlemen it is zane daniel how are you today brother Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. How are you? Every day, Boatground's a great day. Thank you so much for asking. I love
0: your shirt by the way. Nice job. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. Cool. This is uh uh Robert. Oh no. I forget the name of the, the designer right now, but I love these shirts by this by this particular designer.
1: Okay, when you find out let me know because I want to get one. It's it looks really, really cool on you. So <laughs> I put you on the spot anyway.
0: <laughs> Well, um, my friend,
1: uh, really excited to speak with you. Uh, you, of course, are running the Higher Self Expo, which we are going to get into. Uh, before we launch into that, if you don't mind, just for my audience that's not very familiar with yourself,
0: uh, just tell us a little bit about you, man. Oh, boy, a little bit about me. It's always a fun uh, journey because it's like, okay, how can I sum this up quickly? I can't really. I think it's best to, to tell the story. Uh, you know, I was I like to say that I was raised by scientists. So my father was an electrical engineer. All my uncles were electrical or some sort of engineer, and my grandfather was a chemist who worked on the triggers for the H bomb after World War II for the U.S. government. So I was surrounded by science as the, the religion essentially. I didn't even realize that that was our religion, but it was. And i did not we were we didn't even speak of spirituality we we didn't even speak of of religion and if we did it was just a little chuckle about uh what the rest of the world you know uh, blindly believes so it wasn't and i became a producer in the video game industry for 22 years so i continued to be surrounded by now computer scientists so it wasn't until 2013 when I did an ayahuasca experience that uh, opened me up to the idea of this spiritual world. And I would say that it happened immediately. As soon as the experience began, I was speaking to the voice of universal knowledge. And I instantly knew that everything else that I had been uh, really believing and studying and, and caring about was could not explain why I was able to speak to this being. They weren't open to the concept pretty much. So I took my science knowledge and I threw it away and just asked this being of this, this being of universal knowledge. Okay. Wh- what should I be doing? How should I be living? What is going on? And and it just explained everything to me that I didn't love enough, that I was being greedy, that, that there was such a thing as past lives. And I just got like a personal teaching from this voice that lasted the entire ayahuasca experience so from that point on I discovered that I could continue to speak to that voice even if I was not on ayahuasca wow and it was that that really started to open me up but still it took me a while before I discovered my healing gifts and all those different things it still I needed a lot of proof because I even though that really did work and I really was convinced there was still a lot of doubt and and some experiential proof continued to happen to me over the next 5 years until i really truly opened up to it
1: my god that's incredible okay <laughs> yeah. well, we'll- I, with with your psychedelic experience, was it what, did you ever do anything before ayahuasca like mushrooms or LSD or peyote or mescaline or anything?
0: A little bit, but only because it was like a peer pressure sort of situation. I really wasn't into it or open to it, so it, they were a little bit dud experiences. I would say. I mean. It's, I mean, some things happen, I suppose, but I still was pretty closed off. I still looked at it as just some sort of foreign substance that was doing weird scrambly things to my brain. And it wasn't that I was speaking to any kind of you know, greatness. It, it was truly the ayahuasca experience. And so, to finish what you had originally asked me, tell you, tell me, tell you about me. Um, to 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 finish that up. So now uh, I'm a Hathor energy healer. So I work with an extra dimensional collective called the Hathors, um, and I do something called the soul essence activation as my main modality, and everything kind of branches off of that. That modality is unique to me and I brought it with me from my past lives as a Hathor and as an Arcturian and a Pleiadian and, and an Andromedan. And what's really ended up happening with that is I've filtered into helping people overcome um, negative spirit attachments which was really not my intention at all, but it just kind of led in that direction. I had created an Ascension course to help people that were not happy, that understood kind of the concepts of spirituality and meta- metaphysics, but they weren't really able to apply them that well to their lives. And so I really started to help. I had, I had kind of a method on how we can apply all those teachings to our day-to-day experience. And then because I had some YouTube videos that took off uh, when I was removing negative entity attachments, people started coming to me saying your videos work, but the attachments just keep coming back. So I asked the Hathors, what do I do with these people? And they said, put them in your Ascension course. So when I did that, then all of a sudden they got it, their entities were gone forever and they they went on a new path. So I ended up just modifying my Ascension course to include more about negative entities and getting rid of them and now, it's, uh, it's, you know, coming to a head where I'm almost not able to keep up with all the people that are coming in that that need this assistance. And what's beautiful about it is that generally people who are suffering from spirit attachments are at a great stage of of their um, ascension path, you know, they're open to it, they're excited about it, but they're also being dragged down. So just there's a couple of things that we can do that really make a difference. And now they get to go shooting on their, their mission, their path, and you know they're, they're really beautiful results. But that's not all that I do, of course. So I also write and publish my own comic book series called Righteous about a mass spiritual awakening. This has proven to be very wonderful for the masses. If anybody reads this, who is not open to spirituality, I've also imbued the comic book with the soul essence activation. So anyone who reads it receives that hath or healing. And when they do, they find themselves... Uh, having a catalyst experience and so they they've written you know I've had people write, write to me and go I read your comic book what did you do to me right like everything has changed in my life and so on and so forth and I can tell wonderful stories about that so so it's kind of cool because really I also uh, host and, and I created the Higher Self Expo which is an online only metaphysical conference to see and it's with advanced light workers and and people who really want to expand themselves. So if you think about those three things that I just said, the one the righteous is all about opening people up to the possibility of spirituality, even if they were closed off to it, the middle one, the second one is helping people with negative entity attachments. So they've already had their awakening catalyst moment, but now they need a little additional help. And then the higher self expo is Really for people that are at any stage, but often they're more advanced and they want more options, more possibilities, you know, uh, uh, awakening their own spiritual gifts, having new expansion and that sort of thing. So it's kind of great because it's really about covering the whole spectrum and helping as many people as I possibly can on this journey.
1: I love how you went from science-minded, and it sounds like you approached your experience with ayahuasca that was the catalyst kind of scientifically. You went in with observation, you went in with an open mind, and you've got kind of that switch flipped, but then it, it did the other side of it and then moved you into this new direction, and you just jumped right in, man. I love this, especially the way that you're helping other people. It sounds like when you talk about people who then uh, get negative entities attached after they've been released, it's just that they're not in the right frame and they need to go through your ascension to then be able to block those out initially. Instead, like let's say, for instance, whenever you were talking about it, uh, what I'm reminded of is just a simple analogy that... We live on a ranch out here. We've got a chicken coop. Uh, we, I kept pulling the same snake out of the chicken coop, right? So it's the same, same rat snake that constantly kept coming back. And so what I figured out was where the snake was getting in, and I fixed it. So now the snake just doesn't enter the coop anymore because the structure has been repaired. And it sounds like that's kind of what you do. You take that to that next level. It's repairs that need to be made on a spiritual level that uh, you're facilitating. Now, I am interested in the Hathor. So how did you get connected with that?
0: So that, you know, the Hathors, I really got that through the voices that I could hear. Once that once the, that first ayahuasca experience happened, it, it o- opened up my channel or it helped me realize that my channel was open. So I don't know which, which it was exactly, right? But, but at that point I was able to speak to this voice and it continued to expand and, and I started to learn that there were multiple voices. And eventually, I would ask, I would ask, who is this, right? And they would go, it's not important. What's important is the healing or what's important is the message. You know, they would always kind of stop me from finding that out. So I, I eventually had to go to a, um, a, a this amazing channel that can channel every being, every type of thing that, that exists. And so when she, as soon as she started, it was, oh, the Hathors are here. And then she was able to talk to me about that, that that it was the Hathors. After that, I was able to confirm with them that yes, in fact, that it was. And I learned a lot more about them and my relationship with them during that session, including the fact that I was incarnated among them. The Hathors were here on earth incarnated during Egypt's golden age. There's There's a temple in Egypt, the Dendara temple, that is completely dedicated to the Hathors. And if you type in Hathors, in, in Google you'll see the carvings of what they look like and they do look a little bit different than us. So I was incarnated among them at that time and that's when I learned how to do my soul essence activation modality. Now were they described as uh, extraterrestrial
1: entities or were they just higher plane beings that were existing in this 3D reality? How, how did that come about?
0: Um, I would say they're more like extra dimensional beings um, and, and yeah, they are gonna be higher higher vibration than us. And that's one of the things, you know, any channel that you work with, they've got to try to raise their vibrational frequency and the, the beings that they're channeling are lowering their vibrational frequency so they can reach a match. You know, if, if there was ever a high vibrational being that just came and landed on this planet and looked at us, we would, we would have a very difficult time with that. My understanding is that we would lose our ability to keep our consciousness in these 3D bodies, and we would all of a sudden kind of get sucked into the, the, the higher vibrational entity, and we would be looking at ourselves standing there in front of the Entity, so so we really are not at that vibrational frequency, that higher one, where we would actually be able to 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 maintain our cells inside of ourselves.
1: Now, do you think that that's the role of these extra-dimensional beings? Like they have nothing else to do, or is are we like a hobby for them, or are they here to assist us for some altruistic motives? Because it sounds like a cosmic compromise that we go through. So the medium will raise their vibe, they kind of lower theirs, and we kind of meet on some sort of even playing field, basically, to where the Mm -hmm. message can be received, to where we can interact with one another. So do you have any information on like their motives? Like, why? Why us?
0: Um, Well, I think that this is a very interesting place. If you think about the way that the 3D, this particular 3D society or 3D environment works, it, it, it is all about destruction. So it, the only way for us to absorb energy at all, we can't just stand in front of the sun. I mean, some people do the the, the sun gazing, right, and they get their energy. But but that that isn't a very natural process for us. We we go, oh my gosh! In order to receive the energy of the sun, I have to destroy this plant. I have to mash it up and and, and consume it, and now I'm receiving the energy of the sun. And every animal on this planet, including all the plants have to do this. It's a destruction survival society, or or, I'm sorry, environment. So when you think about it from that perspective, that creates a, a, a very unique experience about this particular place. We are, if you think about all the emotions that we get to experience, we get to experience fear and we get to experience excitement and we get to experience this wide range of emotions every single one of them come, comes from the fact that we can die. If you, imagine if you are an infinite being, if you are your infinite soul self, or even you are yourself as source, you are infinite. So you can't, you don't have fear. You are, you don't, you know, everything that's going to happen and there really isn't time anyway. So excitement isn't accessible to you because you know, there's there's nothing to be excited about. Everything just is. Um, And and that includes romantic love. You are both the yin and the young, so there's no such thing as romantic love. You know, again, all of the emotions that we get to experience here are all based on the fact that we can die and that this is a destruction based survival system. So that makes us very unique and very interesting. If you are your soul self, if you are yourself as source and you want to experience something other than just constant unconditional love at all times, the best way to do that is to come to earth and incarnate as one of these beings. So I think everyone or all the spirits and all the existence are very interested in this particular planet and probably any other planet that has this sort of system. But, but the more that I learn about it, the more that I I believe, and it seems that earth is still pretty darn unique and there aren't too many other worlds that have these, this like set of rules. So just from that perspective, everybody's interested. This is, this is the favorite aquarium <laughs> to, to take a look at and see what's going on. And everybody wants to interfere and get involved, but we can't, they, they, they've all essentially agreed not to unless we specifically ask for it. So that's why they're not just going around and healing everybody and fixing everything. You know, imagine that you were, that you're, you remembered that you were source and you brought with you all of your creation, instant creation abilities to this world. What's the first thing you would do? You would probably give yourself some pleasure because that would be the first instinct. But then you would go, well, I don't want anybody to suffer. So nobody's starving anymore. Nobody hasn't uh, any problem, Nobody lives on the street anymore. Nobody has any problems anymore. You would just go around and fix everything. And then you'd go, oh crap. Now what, you know, like I've kind of ruined this place. Right. So, so, so we know as our soul selves, as our spirit selves, that we don't really want to come and interfere with this because that would ruin the experience. We come here forgetting that we are our soul selves and our source selves so that we can take it all seriously. So we can actually experience fear and frustration and disappointment and unworthiness and all the lower vibrational emotions, as well as all the higher ones easily the best way that I've
1: heard this explained, because yes, you are absolutely right. That is one of the things that whenever I went through my spiritual awakening, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but it it was so personal in the fact that I was like, well, why would God do this? And why would source create this? And why would these conditions exist? And then you get to that point to where you're like, oh, well, you need dark to know light. You need hot to know cold. So the juxtaposition is what's important for the experience. But the suffering part of it was one that I could not wrap my mind around. The way that you just explained it makes complete sense. And of course, if you follow that logic, we are spiritual beings that are infinite beings after having this experience. So therefore, of course, it's chosen. Of course, we knew what we were getting into uh, and signed up for. Love your explanation, man. I You you brought me a lot of clarity with the understanding, and I'm grateful. So thank you. Uh, oh, thank it, you. Yeah, no, really. Uh, that, was, that was a perfect way to explain it. I know uh, I, I can already think of at least 20 or 30 people that communicate with me regularly through the show that are... Losing their minds right now with joy uh, based on that explanation. So uh, so with with your understanding of everything going on here, do you think that the need to do you feel that it's your responsibility or that you have a need or a role here to wake people up in the you know traditional sense of the word?
0: oh i love that question it's very nuanced actually because there's so many different ways that we can look at all this and i talk about desire all the time desire is a slightly lower vibrational emotion it it, but barely right because right above that is acceptance so, and desire and acceptance are these wonderful opposites. If you are in a state of desire, I need to wake people up. I need to get myself this other, I need to get a new car, right? Whatever it is. That means you are, you are in a, a position of, of lack or deficiency. And it's also saying something to the universe. Not good enough. Right. Acceptance is everything that I have is absolutely perfect and beautiful and I don't need to do anything. So if you if 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 it's my desire, if it's my want, if it's my need to wake people up, then I'm actually in a place of deficiency and lack. And I'm saying to the universe, not good enough. So instead, I like to look at it like this. I am excited to wake people up excitement is my favorite emotion probably because it is it is a prediction of the future you can't be excited about something that's already happened you can't really even be excited about something that's currently happening you can only be excited about something that hasn't happened yet if you are excited about something that's currently happening we would call that joy so excitement is the counter to fear because fear is a prediction of the future also. And you cannot be afraid of something that's already happened. You cannot be afraid of something that is currently happening. I'm being stung by a bee. I'm afraid of, no, no, you are being stung by the bee. You might be afraid now that you're going to have an allergic reaction to the bee. So it always changes to something that hasn't happened yet. And the amazing thing about fear is that the less likely the thing is to happen, the more we're afraid of it. And I can go into that if you'd like to, but it's an interesting kind of fun explanation. You want me to please? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So think about it. You're working full time and your boss comes to you and he says, there's going to be a layoff in two weeks and you're in in the bunch. You're getting laid off. Are you afraid about being laid off? In that moment, if you're, yeah, yeah, I would say yes. I would say no, you're not afraid that you're going to get laid off. You know, you're going to get laid off. It's a 100% certainty. I have no fear of that. That is a fact. Now I might start to be afraid of, am I going to be able to pay my bills? Do, am, I, am I going to have to move? Uh, you know? Oh, I, maybe I won't be able to get another job. That's, the, that's where the fear comes in. So let's say they come and they say, oh, there's like a 5% chance that you're going to get laid off. Are you afraid you're going to get laid off?
1: Uh, no, you're less afraid of being laid off because you're less, you're more likely, but you're still going to possibly, but still the fear exists in the result of being laid
0: off, not in the act of being laid off. Exactly. So, yeah. So now you're not focused on, Oh no, am I not, am I, am I going to be safe? Am I going to be part of the 5%? You're like, no way. (laughs) I'm sure I'm getting laid off and I'm worried about all the other stuff. But when it gets to be like a 50, 50, now, I think we start to go, oh no, I'm afraid I'm going to be one of the 50 50. Right. So, the less likely it is to happen, the more we fear it. Interesting. Isn't that screwed up? And how good are we at predicting the future? Oh, we're garbage at it. We're terrible at yeah. it. If we were good at it all, we'd all be Bitcoin billionaires. So, so, the, so when we focus or when we experience fear, it's not only very, very unlikely to happen, but we, we can't predict it with any certainty whatsoever. So it's a giant waste of our, of our emotional energy. So I would much rather flip it to that positive one, excitement. If I am excited about things, I'm excited, okay, you're gonna get laid off. Okay, well, I'm excited because this is an opportunity to get a new job, maybe to move to a new town. Maybe this was a terrible thing in the first place. So I am excited about the possibility that this is bringing to me. So I'm not saying to come all the way back to your question now my mission feels like it is to help wake up as many people as possible i i I garner i receive an awful lot of satisfaction and excitement over that experience so yes that is definitely the path that i want to take but it is all about the excitement of it not necessarily about the want or the desire it's, this is
1: already one of the most wisdom filled conversations I've ever had in my life so uh, it it does feel like you you are just checking things off of my personal box uh, that so it feels like this is more for me than the listeners listeners you just get to enjoy this as well I, you know I love this idea because I came to the same place I was like okay I got to wake everybody up conspiratorial not necessarily spiritual I, I went through that that run for quite a long time and there's a lot of fear involved in it God if I don't wake everybody up then this is going to happen and then like you said predicting the future which we're garbage at uh, no matter how good the model for that outcome might be or how likely that outcome looks there's always some wrenches in the game that you don't the variables that you're not considering right scientifically so what what's interesting though that i find about what you just said of course is like i said the wisdom i'm kind of mulling it over now it's making a lot more sense i'm applying it to myself is we have a saying in texas called don't go borrow in trouble meaning don't go worrying about things that haven't happened yet you know don't go building bridges over rivers you're never going to cross, all these wonderful southern sayings, right? I love that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that's what it feels like, right? So it feels like a lot of people do live in this state of fear, and I'm, of course, generalizing for just the mass amount of people who don't even question. There, It seems to be that they're scared that they are going to exist in this state of fear over things that never happen or are unlikely to happen, and so therefore they just hunker down and get stuck, and they stay in this same little spot right here. What you're saying is a way to reframe the conversation to yourself about the feeling and about the action and about the expectation for your own experience. I love this, man. This is a brilliant way to put it. So uh, keep going, man. Uh,
0: What what else you got? Okay. Well, uh, it is kind of cool because why do we fear? Why do we have fear? We have fear for survival's sake, right? Why is fear well okay so we have our senses our five senses everybody's perception we have five senses we have more way way more it just just think about the balance sense there's this juice in your ear right if you go like this you can tell that you're leaning forward or leaning back like that's a sense <laughs> that's a huge sense that's the sixth sense duh but anyway uh, forget all that one of the senses that most of us do not have is seeing into the future If we don't have the ability to see into the future, and the future could mean death, then what do we gotta do instead? The other thing that we have to think about is we are are very soft and squishy. So we are on this very dangerous place. We don't have any armor. We don't have any, any sharp claws. We don't have any really good survival characteristics. The only thing that we have are these brains. Okay, so with those two things known, what do we do? We have to invent every possible scenario so that we can circumnavigate it. So we go, oh, this could happen. The saber tooth tigers could be drinking water right now. We shouldn't take our turtle shells to the river because at the time when the sun is five hands from the, then that's when they drink. Like you have to, we, we're always predicting everything that could possibly go wrong so that we have an escape plan or a survival plan. And that means that we're bringing that with us as part of our programming into this society. Now we've created a pretty decent society. I mean, lots of people would complain about it, but really in comparison to having to go to the water to, with our turtle shells to get the, you know, we turn on the faucet. So, so it is a lot easier to survive in this world, but yet we're bringing with us all this fear and all these, these problems essentially that we're, we are inventing. So we come about it naturally. It's totally cool to to have those that fear experience, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up over it. It's it's part of the process. But becoming aware of it, that's the way that we really truly overcome it.
1: You know, and being aware of the fear that may or may not. May- happen but also you you get some pretty good validation from those kind of feelings so you can do you know and then then you speak to uh, cause and effect right so then people know okay if i take this hammer and i smash my hand with it it's gonna suck right and so they're afraid of that happening so they avoid doing this you know that doesn't mean they don't avoid hammers forever they just avoid that action right, right. um and so it, cause and effect being a result of fear is, is a viable way, like you said, five hands away, that's when the Sabre 2 Tigers will be there so that we avoid that. Now, that doesn't apply to everything all the time, which that's what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about non predictable outcomes that then you you push onto yourself and then you rob yourself of the experience of now, right? Because that's what that mm-hmm. does and right. the experience of what you could have. Now, um, what I find interesting about this as well is the repeatable actions in, let's say, paranormal uh, phenomena or UFO phenomena. I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but my my question on this is, is that whenever people start predicting patterns of ghosts or of UFO, this is why it's not scientifically viable, is because it's not predictable, right? It's not something that is easily repeatable in science. It's not like the Saber tooth Tigers. Uh, it's not like the confidence you have that your tap water will work or that if you smash your hand with the hammer, going back to that analogy. Um so what do you think about the idea that our futures aren't set yet? Meaning that the only thing in front of us is endless potentials and therefore you manifest your reality or you can create it in the way that you want based on your actions, decisions, mental acuity and on paying attention to your moments and what you truly desire. It, it In my mind, the way that I look at it is the way that you can remember the past is because you chose to do that and it's already happened. The now is what you're experiencing now and the future is a fog of potentialities. It's that electron that's in every place at once, right? Uh, Do you subscribe to that idea as well?
0: It's a combination of things because I also really subscribe to the idea of the soul contract. Mm, mm -hmm. And, And so that with the things that we have experienced in this life is something that we signed up for. And, and that I love that because it's one of the me- mental healthiest parts of spirituality. It's one of the mentally healthiest concepts in all, you know, reality as, as far as mental health. I mean, it's just, if you are in the victim mindset, then you are going to continue to suffer for the rest of your life. If you are in the, oh, I'm powerful. I chose these terrible experiences because I knew I could handle it. I call it soul confidence. So if you are your soul self and you're you're deciding which kind of, which character you wanna be in this earth existence, then you're going to be like, oh, okay, this one's going to have um, relationship issues. This one's gonna have abuse situations. This one's going to have addiction issues. Okay, I wanna do that one well, because I know that I can handle it, because I know that I can get the lessons out of it. So there is some predetermined factors going into this life experience, I truly believe. And if you look at um, astrology, the, the ability to predict your life based on astrology is shockingly accurate. And and when, when, that, when I was exposed to that and watched it happen to me exactly, I said, okay. So there is there there is some predeterministic kind of things going on. And so I I don't know what the measure of it is. Is it 50 percent deterministic, 50 percent free will? Is it 75, 25? I don't know. And and it's not that important to me because I enjoy this illusion. And so I'm going to go with it and, and have a blast here. So it's not as important to me. But but still, yeah, there there is this factor, too, of timelines. So you can, you're on all these different timelines and that's why psychics, um, when you you talk to a psychic and they predict your future or you ask your guides about the future, um, the information that you get could be completely inaccurate because it's based on the timeline that you're currently on and, and but it could change at any moment. So then all of a sudden you've switched to a new timeline and now that prediction is no longer accurate. The danger in getting that some sort of future prediction is that you could believe it so much that you actually keep yourself on that particular timeline. And maybe that prediction isn't what you really truly desire or wasn't what was destined for you. Maybe the you said, oh, OK, am I is my. Um, light worker career going to be great. And at that moment they say, no, it's, it's probably not going to go that well, then you're going to carry that expectation with you, which is going to help trough you into a particular timeline. So that, you know, I, I really do say embrace as much Um, free will as you possibly can and enjoy this experience and just let it all fall out the way that it's supposed to and don't get all wrapped up and trying to figure out how it's going to go, what's going to happen next and do I have free will or not, because that's just the brain trying to put things in boxes. That's where we get into the fear thing again. Oh, I'm more comfortable if I know who the beings are that I'm speaking to. I'm more comfortable if I know why I have negative entity attachments. I'm more comfortable. But, but does that help us solve any problem at all? No, it is a temporary, temporary um, um, desire for comfort.
1: Well, it's almost like you want those kind of answers for for a a terrestrial example. Let's say that you get a trailer that you're pulling behind your car or something like that stuck, okay? Well, somebody might ask, well, how'd you do that? Well, how I did it isn't important necessarily. Uh, We just need to get it fixed, right? But sometimes the how'd you do that is an important factor or variable in being able to uh, back it out or to solve the problem. Okay, Right. right.
0: Yeah, that goes back to that primitive brain, right? That the 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 survival brain is better than armor and and sharp claws. It's the the solving problems and predict and doing our best to uh, shotgun predict the future for every possible outcome so that we survive. Uh, yeah, and so both of those characteristics are are useful in survival, but they're not so useful in living in the moment and, and realizing that everything is made of unconditional love. It's quite counter to that and it gets in the way of that process. So it's just a wonderful new challenge that we have to overcome while we're here. I find it to be, you know, a wonderful aspect of this experience because I know we can transcend it and we get to do that when I'm working with people in my ascension program.
1: Now do you think with our soul contracts back to that idea that uh, the reason that we don't know consciously or or in this in this modality that we are that we do have a soul contract Like I said, consciously is so that we can just enjoy the moment, not run too much towards it and just enjoy the little things around us because that the the question is on free will. So what you were talking about about free will is very interesting to me because I've heard some people say it doesn't exist. I've heard some people say that it does, and it sounds like what you're saying is it's kind of a blend of both, that mm-hmm. you do have free will, but you're more meant to live in the moment, that eventually, like everything's going to fall into place anyway because you signed up to do that, you just forgot, and then just live in the moment. So you have free will on a micro level, but on a macro level, it sounds like it's all pretty planned out
0: that's that's the best way i would describe it too and it's it's how you respond to it so everything's you know you're going to end up uh, with a, a breakup for, with your favorite you know, partner at some, you know, in June, 2022, how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to beat yourself up over it and say that you screwed up or that they screwed up or that this is a disaster? Or are you going to say, Oh, well that lasted exactly, exactly as long as it was supposed to for me and her to get all the lessons that we needed out of that experience. And now I'm more prepared for the next one and I'm excited bringing me back to that emotion i'm excited about the next opportunity so that's where we really have a lot of free will is how we respond to our our not our predetermined experiences here it's perfect perfectly said man that is
1: that is exactly it again the the wisdom coming from you Zane, is fantastic man i'm really really enjoying this so <laughs> thank you well what about uh, and i love the changing the the modality of lack mentally, whenever we're doing, especially talking about things like manifestation, right? That's a big thing. Is how do you f- lie to yourself, right, and the universe, and everybody else around you, and you say, "Hey, uh, I'm, you know, I want this new car, but I don't have it yet, but I have to pretend like I've got it." I've even seen people take a, a Lamborghini sticker and tape it over their Honda logo, right? And so there's these mental gymnastics that people do to kind of fake themselves out, but they're consciously aware that they're faking themselves out. I think that this part of manifestation is the the one that's the most challenging, right? Because deciding what you want to do and put work towards it, check. Got it. Uh, knowing that you can't just sit there and that you actually have to do it. Uh, no problem. Uh, it's the fake it till you make it element of it, especially with somebody very aware of themselves and very aware of their goals that know where they are, where they want to be, and that they're not there yet. I like, though, switching the energy and using the word excited versus lack. I'm excited that that new car is right around the corner. I am excited that I am working my ass off to make sure that I achieve my goals. I I like this modality, man. This, this is very, very nice. I I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Because desire is that lower vibrational emotion just barely. I mean, you need it, you need it to drink water. Otherwise you would, you would die of a dehydration. You need, you need desire to survive. Once again, it's a survival emotion, but it's it's also coming from a place of lack and deficiency like we said and when we're in that we can easily go further down the chart of the emotional frequency chart of the map of consciousness by David R Hawkins and we can end up in Uh, Oh, no, worry. Oh, the the manifestation thing isn't working. Is it going to work? So we surround anything that we surround with lower vibrational emotions is very unlikely to go the way we want it to go. If we could surround it by higher vibrational emotions, acceptance, optimism. Uh, uh, excitement, gratitude, and unconditional love, then it's more likely to occur. So one of the ways to actually be very successful in manifestation, so successful that you don't even have to think about it anymore, is the, the paradoxical approach of whatever happens is perfect. Everything that happens is ideal. I I can't wait to see what it all is. That, and when you truly believe that and you truly just go through life like, yeah, that this is amazing. And that's crazy. And this is great, whatever. And then, then all of a sudden you go, Oh, you know, it would be really cool if I had this, it's going to happen so fast because you aren't depending on it to happen. You aren't, you know, yearning for it to happen. You aren't, aren't in lower vibrational emotions at all. You're in flow. So you just go with it until you do have that desire and then you get it.
1: I got to compliment you again. Uh, so, be, and I'll tell you why, because all of this is ringing massive bells for me. And again, it's right timing, it's perfect, everything about it. And I know my audience is just sitting there feeling the same way that I am, right? Because <clears throat> let's say, for example, uh, my wife and I do this a lot. Uh, it's, I'll tell her, you know, something, right? It's, it doesn't matter. I can't even come up with an example. It doesn't matter. And then she'll go, nuh uh. And then she'll hear the exact same thing, phrased the exact same way from somebody other than me and just go, Oh, well, I'll be damned. I didn't know that. And I'm over here like, yeah, you did, because I've had these exact conversations with several folks. I've read a lot of books on the subjects. I've heard it put to me in damn near this exact same way. For some reason, right now, the way you are saying it is resonating with me more than I've ever heard it before. Like I said, you were checking off some major, major boxes. So again, this is more for me than anybody else, but I'm grateful you're here. So uh, let's talk about the Higher Self Expo real quick. Um, so tell, tell us about that. How'd that come about?
0: Well, that was a, a uh, response to COVID. So one of the things that I teach people in my program, of course, is, you know, how do we look at things in a, in a positive way? Oh, uh, the, the pandemic has made life miserable. No, no. The pandemic has created all kinds of opportunities and possibilities. We're going through a mass awakening. There's so many things. So what did it lead me to do? Well, I am a van lifer. So I travel around the country in a camper van or usually the continent if Canada wasn't blocked off. And and I would, was going to expos and conferences and speaking, uh, which is something that I absolutely love to do. Well, when everything got shut down, I said, "Uh oh, I got to come up with something else here and at the same time i i was realizing that i I wasn't becoming i wasn't really reaching out to other light workers and i realized that that would be a lot more fun a lot more interesting to meet all these other people and get their perspectives have networking you know all the all the benefits to doing the you know working with other like-minded high vibrational people so the combination of things went well then, let's just create an online metaphysical conference that's only online, it'll never be on location because that's a f- whole different beast. Um, and, and so really in, in just over a year, we've already done three events and this next one is, is our fourth. So, and, and this next one is pretty crazy because we just, one of the things I was running into is that if you do it in the US, for instance, then Australia is asleep during the expo, during the conference. So I said, all right, well, that's not cool. What if we did one where there was like 24 straight hours and we went eight hours in the US, eight hours in Australia, eight hours in Europe, and so I ended up reaching out to some folks in the, each of these continents and, they, and found some, some amazing uh, hosts just like me. So there are two hosts in each of those three major regions across the planet. And so that's what we're doing for this one. So we have 36 speakers over 24 straight hours.
1: It's so cool. I'm really looking forward to this thing. So it is going to be on the 17th and 18th of July this month. And this will, of course, be out uh, before then because we want to make sure that enough folks know about it. Uh, Really, really looking forward to this. It sounds incredible. Um, So what are you going to be talking about specifically?
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm in the process of filming a documentary about negative entity attachments being misdiagnosed as schizophrenia and bipolar. So I've been I've been interviewing psychologists and psychiatrists, uh, which is the area that I didn't really know that much about. And so um, I'm going to give kind of a summary of of my discoveries and and what I've learned so far about these this this merging and because the the theme for the higher self expo this time is where science meets spirituality and i love this theme concept because uh the it's great from the perspective of i believe that spirituality is just science that science hasn't figured out yet so when when i'm looking at this i'm not looking at it that we need to be proven i'm looking at it like well let's see how far science has come show us you know what you've learned and and we have a lot of different beautiful amazing scientists which we never had on our self expo it's always been light workers so it's going to be really interesting to see Um, All the different discoveries that they've made. And uh, yeah, so I'm super excited about the merging of these two things because they're going to merge. you know, people don't like to hear that sometimes on either camp. Right. But but it is definitely going to happen. And 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 we will experience a new kind of growth when that does truly occur.
1: So, something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, too, is, is it, it does feel like that pendulum is kind of meddling, middling out, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, it feels like when we started, maybe it is an ancient civilization, which I don't think they were primitive at all. I think there were some highly advanced ancient civilizations out there that really had it figured out, well beyond what we do, connection to source, all of those things. And then the pendulum switches, right, to the Industrial Revolution. We get m- much more of the Newtonian or mechanistic reality, and we lose sight of the fact that it's more of a participatory reality, but marrying the two is what's so important. That this is something that I've been absolutely fascinated with lately. I think it's the next step for everything: interdimensional beings, UFOs, spirituality, uh, paranormal. Everything needs to go this direction. It's a marrying of the philosophy with the physics. Right? It's these ideas of what you're doing right now, which is why I was so excited uh, when you guys, when you and Karen reached out uh, to do this, where science meets spirituality. It was perfect. It's right on time. It's exactly what I've been talking about on the show quite a bit. So. I've... Uh, we're, we'll probably wrap it up here, but I, I want to ask you one final question, because it's something that, as you were talking about it, it's been on my mind. Now, what you said about different people being upset that it is it is blending the two, I, I find that interesting because it's almost like this tribal mentality, right? It's almost like this divine conquer us versus them, and people hold on to that, right? It's their beliefs, that the, which then becomes their identity. So whenever you talk about that people are in two different camps and their their disdain is growing by marrying the two camps and coming together and being being a unit right or at least communicating a little bit more and exchanging more ideas in an open format it does feel like that that, that there's some hesitancy there because there's a bit of exclusivity, you know, within these different camps. They're like, well, I believe in this, and you don't, and you believe in that, and I don't, and that's just the way we like it. And it's like, no, man, let's let's come together on this, man. And so I'm with you now. I coming back to the UFO phenomena, I I talk about this a lot with folks who do work like uh, John Keel and those guys who really married. Um, all the different aspects, the multifaceted aspects of high strangeness, right? Where you, the cryptozoologist guys won't look at anything but Bigfoot and Chupacabra, and they don't understand that maybe it is married with the UFO phenomena as well, like, like Valet says, you know, and all of that. So my question is, uh, after all of that there, <laughs> what, what do you think the world would look like if we all spiritually awoke? And do you think that that's even something that's possible or, or going to happen at all? So it's
0: pretty much, you've just described the, the concept uh, of to, to righteous, which is from my comic book. So uh, I'll just give you a quick example of that. The, 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 the main story is we have a greedy corporate analyst who is visited by a being of light that touches him on the forehead and changes him so that he can only help other people and he can't just make money for himself anymore. So he's the reluctant hero. It's a little bit like Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, right? So, so he doesn't really want to just go help people. He wants to continue to, to yeah. follow the American dream and do, you know, and, and retire early with Lamborghinis and, you know, all that stuff. But he comes quickly realize that there's an awful lot of, of, of good and beauty that comes from helping others, including even making himself feel better. And then the other twist of the story is that every time he helps someone, they get it too. Mm. They now, need to help others and so on and so forth and so essentially it spreads throughout the world and what happens when that happens we are almost instantly transformed into a utopian society because we switch from being this selfish perspective to being a helping perspective and when we are a helping perspective then nobody suffers anymore We are doing everything that we can to help those who are don't have enough food, who don't have shelter, who are uh, suffering from mental illness that are, you know, on and on and on and on. And, and so I see that I liken that to a spiritual awakening. So that that's what I truly believe happens when, even when 51% of the population says, Oh, I, I believe in this whole spiritual concept. I get it, and I only want to help other people. Then you will see it—it fa- it change so fast. It—it it won't even be. Uh, it'll happen, yeah, you know, just so fast you can't even handle it. But, but ultimately. Uh, it was really cool because I was talking to a friend of mine who was writing a nonfiction book and it was a nonfiction book that was not about spirituality. It was like Tinder dates or something. Right. And, and it's, it was very well written. She has an agent. She sent it to the agent, the agent read it and just said, this is a fantastic book, but it's not going to sell. And she's like, well, why? Because she, she said, well, it's not about spirituality. She's like the only books, nonfiction books that are selling well right now are spiritual books that 51% is happening really soon yep i feel that as
1: well it's it's a great way to put it now it it brings me back to what you said at the beginning about it there has to be dichotomy here. There has to be suffering. There has to be that for us to learn the lessons that we're learning or to have the experience that this place is designed for because it is so special. So what would we do with a utopian society? I mean, everything would be wonderful, but it's kind of like in The Matrix, right? Whenever he said, look, we made one perfect, but they wouldn't accept the programming and everything shut down. So do you think that that spiritual awakening that we get to a certain point and then the world just ends or the experience just like the lights come on and everybody's
0: like, all right, you beat the simulation, you know, nice job. Yeah. <laughs> it could, it could very well be. I, I do like that concept, but you know, I look at it a little bit like this. If let's say you are your soul self, right? You are your spiritual self. You are observing, uh, um, infinity with unconditional love. And, and it's so obvious, right? It's just like so obvious that everything is unconditional love and you're, soul buddy says, Hey, you want to go to earth? and be an earthling like well why well because you won't be able to realize that everything is unconditional love like what what are you talking about no it's so obvious like so easy no no no. here's what's gonna happen we're gonna erase your mind and we're gonna put you down in here you're not gonna know this stuff and shit's fucked up there right like (laughs) like, things are screwed up and you are not gonna remember you're like what no way i'm gonna remember this is so, so obvious okay yeah let's do this all right let's let's go and then you go through your life and you die and you wake up up and you go, oh my God, I didn't even come close to realizing that everything was unconditional love. Wow. <laughs> let's, let's do it again. And let's do it again until we can get there. We have so much soul confidence that this whole experience is going to be easy to handle, but it isn't. So I think that we will always come up with ways, even though we have a utopian society, there will always be challenges. There will always be things. Imagine then in a utopian society, and someone says, Okay, well, let's just do art. Like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh my gosh, we're trying to build this giant, you know, this like 200 story sculpture, you know, uh, statue of uh, the, you know, uh, what do we, Pick some pick some amazing being. Right. Just whatever of a Pleiadian. Right. Okay, So, oh, my gosh, it's going to fall over and we're not doing it right. And blah, blah, blah. Like so we will always create challenges for ourselves on how we can be more amazing than we already are. I think that we will have this constant desire to do and create and be and that will, will always offer us challenges. And if it doesn't, you're right, we'll just go reset, let's start the earth over again and let's do it again
1: yeah and it, it is but and I'm with you on this so I I completely agree that we can at least alleviate the stuff that sucks so bad if one kid goes hungry that's the mark of our civilization that's the peak of what we're capable of if one right. child goes hungry I that that's what I feel is the way right and so if if we can achieve that if we can at least cross that off the list man roof over every head for when it rains right just get get us some shelter and not in a I know because then you'll hear the people, well, that's socialism, boy. And it's not what we're talking about, man. We're talking about just bare stuff so that nobody goes hungry, right? That's it. Can we just do that? Uh, No matter what that
0: looks like. Right. It's really not that hard. If somebody came along and said, okay, $1 trillion to the first company that feeds all the people on the planet, you know how fast that would get solved if the number is right? I don't know if that's the right number, but let's assume that it's the right number. You know how fast that would be solved? It would be a race and everything and that no one would be hungry anymore. That's how easy it is for us to do whatever we want. But we are currently in an incentive program that incentivizes us to essentially be selfish. It, is, it incentivizes us to provide for our families and nothing more. And it, that comes naturally to us too because that's the survival programming that we had when we were in, in our primitive times. So all we've got to do is just tweak the, the incentive program. And and all of a sudden we're going to be very motivated to do amazing things to help people. So there's just so many ways to accomplish whatever we want to accomplish, whether it's a 51% awakening, or it's somebody who has trillions of dollars or billions of dollars and, and they go, Oh, I'm going to have an awakening and I'm going to make sure that everything's taken care of. You know, it's it's really, really quite easy for us to do it. It's just a matter of that moment happening. Perfectly said.
1: And I completely agree. Uh, So do you think that in our time, like that we're witnessing the pendulum switch, uh, not only of the marrying of the sciences and the ideas, but also of like that maybe the spiritual community and the UFO community won't be minorities anymore, that basically it will flip to more of a 51 percent. Do you think that we'll see that in our lifetimes?
0: That's a good question. And uh, and the answer to that is, let's find out. I love it. I love this. Zane, I cannot thank you enough, man. Did you
1: have any closing remarks or anything? I'm going to be linking, of course, all the ways to find you down in the show notes, especially the Higher Side Expo. Higher Self nice.
0: Expo, apologies. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I, I did have an, one other thought about that whole fear-based survival thing. And it's a really interesting perspective on... Wh- when we watch the news, people really love to watch the news. And I was thinking about it, like, why, why do people want to watch this horrible thing? It tells us all this terrible stuff that's going on. And I realized that that it really should just be called the how I could die show Mm. because all it does is it helps us see, oh, there's a fire. Somebody died from that. Oh, there's a murder. Oh, oh, there's a pandemic. Oh, there's all these things that are going on. So people tune into that because they're still in that fear-based survival mindset. I've got to tune in and I'm going to see how could I die. And why do we want to know that? because it's, it's in that programming still to say, okay, if I could die that way, I've got to circumnavigate that possibility. Oh, if I could die that way, I've got to circumnavigate that possibility. So again, it, we come about it naturally and we get so mad at the news for being so awful. No, it's providing a, a primitive service. And, and all we have to do is, is not be in the primitive, primitive survival mindset anymore. And then that show is just silliness. And then, but and then I have to throw in that when the show, when the How I Could Die show is telling us everything's going to be fine, then something else comes up to cr- to create the How I Could Die show, and that might be the conspiracy theorists, right? So they're going, oh, the 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 How I Could Die show says we're going to be fine? Uh Oh, <laughs> we got problems. So, so we're going to invent all the possible other ways that we could die. And then what happens? Everybody flocks to that and gets all excited about that. The only way to handle all of this is to go, I'm not afraid of anything. Bring it on. I am here to see it all, to witness it all, to experience it all. I am not afraid of the actual disease. I am not afraid of the cure to the disease, the cure. I don't care, right? Like, I am not afraid of those things. And so I'm going to take action based on excitement rather than fear.
1: I cannot wait for people to hear this, man, and for more people to listen to you and to get exposed to your work. Zane, dude, I cannot thank you enough, man. This has been incredible.
0: I agree completely.
1: Thank you so much well i'm looking forward to the expo and i'm really looking forward to speaking with you again your soul tribe man so we'll definitely do this again in the future okay
0: looking forward to it. thank you
1: beyond grateful to zane daniel for his time on the show today all the ways of course guys to find him will be linked down in the show notes as well as the higher self expo you guys definitely check that thing out again it is going to be july 17th and 18th online is the only way and it is beautiful. It's going to be incredible. Tons of great speakers. Uh, I've got a few more that I'm going to be speaking with as well. So it's going to be kind of a little series here, a mini series uh, ahead of the expo. They've asked me to interview a few of the guests and speakers and I would love that. So I'm honored just even to be considered. So thank you guys so much for including me, Zane. So uh, for this show, guys, y'all can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of the socials will be. This video, of course, will be up on YouTube if you guys have not taken advantage of the entire video element to the show go ahead and do that guys it's totally free just go check it out Uh, subscribe like and share sharing is always a great way to get messages like this out and I'm incredibly grateful to all of you for doing that as well on the website is the Patreon you guys know how that works if you find the show valuable uh, throw us a little something something and whatever you can if you can't then I understand it's okay so uh, the music underneath this guy is Vinny the Saint. Check him out for sure. Link tree is down in the show notes as well. And then, of course, you guys know what I'm going to say. Uh, go out into your world this week and pick up a piece of litter. Uh, pet any animal that you come across with your permission, of course. You know, be nice. Uh, then uh, get out of the left-hand lane because that's a pain in the ass. Nothing stifles ascension of the human consciousness like riding in the left-hand lane with people behind you wanting to pass. So uh, get out of the left-hand lane. That's your first step to ascension. So that's cool. Uh, Other than that, guys, go out into your world this week and just be good to one another. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.